Right, good morning, church. Glad you are here this morning. Thank you, Kent, for letting us that time. I hope our it's I hope that's not a passing thought that goes through our mind today, but something that weighs on our heart as we go throughout the rest of the weeks and praying for those families. Today, uh, we're gonna. As many as you, many of you know, we are done with the marriage series, and some of you are like thank the Lord for that, right? Because like some of you fought more in the last five weeks than you fought in the last five years of your marriage. And so we're done with that. Next week, we're going to pick up in a new series called The Struggle is Real. I'm going to be walking through Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. It will take me nine weeks to do that. And so we're going to be going through that through the rest of the summer. So today's kind of a standalone. Today's a day that I want to talk about something that kind of we know because we celebrate it tomorrow. What is tomorrow? Anybody know? Memorial Day, right? Tomorrow's Memorial Day. And we know that Memorial Day, kind of at its essence, is that day that's been set aside to, to kind of reflect on those who have served our country and those who've lost their lives, right? I mean, that's really what Memorial Day is all about. And quite frankly, just, and you may not know this, but, but I, I think our country does a really incredible job of memorials all across our country. I mean, all across the United States, we have a lot of memorials out there. In fact, you may not know this, but we have over 700 memorials in our country alone. Just 700 memorials. And some of those memorials are memorials that are set up to remember those who've served our country, who've lost their lives. Some of those memorials have kind of been set up as, as maybe for people or individuals who've had an impact in humanity, where they've stood in the gap for us, and, and the areas where there seems to be divide in the world, and they were trying to bring unity. For example, we have the Lincoln Memorial. You know about the Lincoln Memorial. We also have the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial that is in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And so we we know about those, but we also have memorials that have been set up in our country that not only celebrate the greatest moments in our country, but memorials that remind us of the greatest tragedies in our country. Has anybody been to the 9-11 memorial? Man, that's, that's a, how, I mean, that's just a, this is a, it's a humbling feeling to be there and to see that land in that, in that area. And so memorials is something that we're familiar with. And at the ultimate end, memorials are basically designed for this. It's designed for us to reflect to honor, to show gratitude when gratitude is necessary, but also to show mourning when mourning is necessary. Now, here's the reason I bring that up, is because you may not know this, but by the Bible is big on memorials. There's memorials we see throughout Scripture. In fact, there are some times in Scripture, we won't go to all of them, but there's some times in Scripture where God showed up in a powerful way and something magnificent would happen, and all of a sudden, the person that that happened to, they would set up an altar, and they would give it a name because the Lord has shown up, the Lord has provided, the Lord was present, whatever it was, and they would set up these altars as memorials to remind them what God had done, right? You see all through Scripture. In fact, the very first memorial we see in Scripture is in Genesis 28. Where, Je where, where uh, Jacob is, is laid his head down and, and he's resting and he has this vision from God, this dream, the Jacob's ladder. We remember that where the angels are ascending and descending from heaven. And, and this was such a powerful moment for Jacob that when he woke up, he recognized that God had been there. And so he took the rock that was under his head and he set it up as a pillar so it would be memorial that every time he saw it would remind him that God had shown up. And today... There's a memorial that you're very familiar with, a memorial that we are going to celebrate at the end of the service that's obviously designed for us to remember, designed for us to honor what's been done, but also designed to, to kind of challenge us in our own faith, and that obviously is the Lord's Supper. 
And so today, as we jump into a passage, here's the question I want you to think about with me this morning. If we know our country does a great job of memorials and what they're for, and we realize memorials are part of the biblical culture we see, especially in the Old Testament, here's the question for you and I today. Why, why, we need to look at why are godly memorials, why are godly memorials for the, in the life of a believer something that is crucial? Why should we have godly memorials in our lives. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying godly idols because there's no such thing. I'm talking about things that we see and can acknowledge that send us somewhere mentally, send us somewhere spiritually where we're reminded what God has done. And I think the answer to that question, why godly memorials are crucial for, to be in the life of a believer, we find that answer in the book of Joshua. If you have your Bible, Joshua chapter 4 is where I'm going to be this morning. Joshua chapter Four, and I want to read the first nine verses that's really going to point out the first reason that we need memorials. So if you've turned to Joshua chapter 4, I'm going to ask you, in honor of God's word, would you stand and let's read this together. Joshua chapter 4, if you've got to say, I'm there, Doug. Okay, <laughs> if you can see the screen, you're there too. All right, here we go. Joshua chapter 4, verse 1, says this. When all the nations had finished passing over the Jordan... The Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, eat for each one from each from its tribe, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, and the man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord, your God, and into the midst of the Jordan, and take up for you a stone upon your shoulders, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, which would have been 12, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan, and the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial, how long? Forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua, and they carried them over to where the place where they lodged, and they laid them down there. And, and. Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan and the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this very day. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word today. And God, I pray as we dive into this that your word would just unpack some things in our lives that we as believers would recognize today that even though as a country we celebrate memorials all the time, but there's memorials in Scripture and that I feel like, Lord, in the, in the life of a believer, that we need to have some godly memorials in our life that, that take us somewhere spiritually, that take us somewhere mentally, that remind us of all that you've done for us. So God, would you just open, make this passage come alive to us today? For it's in your precious and holy son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as you look at this passage, when I ask the question, what are godly memorials in the life of believers so crucial? The first reason is found in, in verses 1 through 9, and it's this. Memorials cause us to remember. Don't they? Come on. Do memorials cause you to remember? They do. They cause you to remember. They cause you to, to look at some things. Now, just kind of give you some context. In Joshua chapter 3, just before Joshua chapter 4, Israel had crossed all the way across the Jordan, and they get on the other side of the Jordan, and then God, then God tells Joshua, hey, Joshua, by the way, 
I want you to grab at least one person from every tribe, 12 tribes. I want you to go back and I want you to get some stones out of the Jordan River. And I want you to set them up, the place where we're going to lodge for tonight, set them up. Now, here's what God is saying. Listen, Joshua, I don't want Israel to ever, 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 ever forget what I've done for them. I don't want the nation of Israel to ever forget how I've intervened, how I've interacted with them, how I've been for them, not against them. I don't want Israel to ever be, you know, to, to be not mindful of the depth with which I love them. So Joshua, I want you to have one member from every tribe go get those 12 stones and set it up. And these stones will be a memorial, a memorial reminding the people of how much I love them. Reminding the people of how much I care about them. Reminding the people of all that I have done for them. So get this. They've crossed the Jordan. They are now into what's called the promised land. And God says, before we take another step, before we begin the first battle, before we take on the first conquest, before we do anything else, we need to remember. So go back, Joshua. Get 12 men. Grab some stones. And you notice he says, put them on their shoulder. Because if I told like Chris, hey, go grab me some stones, if Chris is going to go grab the stones like this, right? He's like, put it on their shoulders. So you're talking these massive stones that they were to carry and to sit down with them to remember. And see, one of the reasons memorials are so important for us is because they cause us to remember. Now, what do you think they remembered? See, part of remembering is going back to what God has done, right? So if you remember something, you're going which way, forward or backwards? Come on, work with me this morning, forwards or backwards if you remember? Backwards, because you can't remember something that hasn't already happened, right? So remembering causes us to go back and remember what God has done. What do you think they remembered? I'll tell you what I think they remembered. I think they remembered how God had provided for them. You remember they had just been in the desert, and their moms and dads and their grandmas and grandpas, they died in the desert. You do remember that, right? Like that was the curse of what they did is they, that generation was going to die in the desert. So the generation that gets in the promised land, they, they had been told the stories. They were told the stories of deliverance from Egypt. They were told the stories of how they rebelled. And they were told the stories of all that God had done. And they were told the stories and they even experienced the stories of how there was no food. So what did God do for them? Manna from heaven, right? Big Macs falling from the sky. I mean, or Whopper, whatever you want. Anyway, there was food. There's, there's this manna falling, this bread falling from heaven. Why? Because they would remember how God provided for them. They also would remember that when you're in a desert, guess what happens at nighttime? It gets cold. And what was God for them in the cold? A pillar of fire by night. And in the daytime, deserts get what? Hot. Not a trick question. It gets hot, right? Kind of like Florida, possibly, right? It gets hot. And what was God for them in the daytime? A cloud. Do you think when they saw this memorial that that would have taken them back to all that God had done for them? How God had provided for them. He's given us manna. He was a pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day. And listen to this. And my, my grandma and grandpa would have told me the story how when they got to the Red Sea, how they were probably talking trash to Moses. Like, hey, Moses, was there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to bring us all the way out here to die? And we, my grandma and grandpa told me the story of how Moses raised his staff and the waters began to part the Red Sea. And my grandma and grandpa would have told me the stories of how they passed over the Red Sea and how when Pharaoh pursued them, the waters came crashing down and killed them. You think they would remember how God parted the Red Sea? Yes. See, memorial stones were caused to, re to remember, to remember how God had once provided for them. You know what else they would have remembered? How God guided them. 
It's really interesting when you look at a map, when they, come, when they go through the promised land, they get, or when they go to the desert, they get really close to the promised land, and they're wandering for like 40 years, right? They're wandering. And, but you know what? At exactly the right point, exactly at the right time, and exactly at the right moment, God gets them to the Jordan River the way that God wants them to get to the Jordan River. And God has guided them all the way through it. God guided them with the Ten Commandments, right? He's like, my people have got to have something that reminds them of what holiness looks like. So we have the Ten Commandments because we know humanity, sure, we're still jacked up, right? And so I've got to give them something to remind them of what holiness looks like. I realize that my people don't know anything but slavery, so I'm going to be their provider, and I've got to guide them and direct them through this desert. You think they would remember how God had guided them for the 40 years before that? Sure they would have. Do you think that they would have remembered not only how God provided, how God got it, but do you think they would have remembered how God was present with them? What's one thing that always led the nation of Israel? At least when it was formed, the ark. What did the ark represent? Well, it was, it was the, 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 the rod of Aaron and the ten. Yeah, yeah, I know what it was. But what did it represent? The presence of God. Do you think their families would have told them, you know, back when the Ten Commandments were formed and back when God established the Ark of the Covenant and all these things were put in there, do you think their moms and dads would have told them the value of knowing that God's presence is with you no matter where you go? you think they would have told them that? Sure. See, these memorial stones were important because it caused them to remember how God had provided, how God had guided them, but also how God was present with them. But listen to this. It also, remembering helps them not only go back to what God has done, remembering also helps them see the present clearly. Now hear me on this, church. Even for us, we can go back and remember what God has done for us, but it's not just about remembering what he's done for us. Remembering those things should also help us see our present situation, our present circumstance clearly. Here's what I mean. As they remembered all that God had done, and as they remembered all that God provided for them, and as they remember all the, how God stepped in and how God intervened, there would have been this moment for them realizing, if that's the God who's done all this for us, and he's the God who loves us, and he's the God who never changes, guess what? He's still a God that provides. Amen? He's still a God that guides. Amen? And he's still a God that is present with us. See, there would have been a moment not only remembering what God has done, but when they remembered, they would have been able to, to see the present situation clearly. Think about it. They've just stepped into a promised land. This is the land that's flowing with milk and honey. I mean, when you think about that, doesn't that just sound like appetizing, right? But guess what this land was filled with? Enemies. They will spend the next years, 400 years or so, on this conquest to take out the different people that occupy their land. Do you think they're going to need God's provision during this time? Yeah. You think they're going to need God's guidance? Because listen, they don't even have a farm. They were slaves for 400 years. They've been in a desert for 40 years, and now they're in this land, and they've got a farm. Do you think they knew how to do that? No, they're going to need God's guidance. Do you think God wanted to know that no matter what you go through, I'm going to be with you? Yes. See, remembering was remembering how awesome and what God has done, but it was also about seeing my present situation clearly. He still provides. He still guides. And he's still with me. In fact, I think the best example of that is in verse 9. Just go back to verse 9 with me. Look what happens here. This is kind of one of those passages I'm like, man, this is so rich. It says, And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, and the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and there it is there to this day. 
Did you notice there, there's now two memorials that have been established? Did you pick up on that? The tribes of Israel have taken one and set it just where they're going to lodge for the night. And then Joshua goes back and sets up his own. And where did he set it up at? Where's it at? Come on, where's it at? Smack dab middle of what? The Jordan River. Now, if you know anything about the Jordan River, there's seasons where the Jordan goes through tremendous flooding. And then there's seasons where the Jordan River goes through tremendous drought. So why in the world would Joshua have set up a memorial stones in the middle of the Jordan? Here's what I, I tell you, with everything, here's what I believe it was. Because it was a reminder that in the greatest seasons of plenty and the most horrific seasons of drought, God is always with us. Always with us. Now listen to me, I want you to hear me on this. Here's what I know about Doug. I don't know about you, but I know about Doug. It's in the seasons that everything seems to be going amazingly good in my life that I tend to ignore God. It's the seasons in my life when tragedies happen that I tend to like try to figure things out on myself. It's the in-between time that I'm like, man, I'm really pursuing God and living for God. But he's like, listen, forget that. You need me in the great moments and you need me in the drought moments. So wherever you find yourself, whether you're succeeding as a nation or you're going through drought, I just want you to know I'm never leaving your side. I am always present with you. Man, what a great picture that was. So why are memorials important? Listen. Because they cause us to remember. Let me give you a second thing. Skip over to verse 19 if you're with me. Skip to 19. <clears throat> Here's what it says in verse 19. Then the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Here's the second thing I want you to notice. Memorial stones not only help us remember, memorial stones also lead us to renew. They lead us to renew. Now, it's interesting here. It says that they came up on the 10th day. Now, if you were to do the math, and if you were to study this, you would find out they are four days prior to what's called the Passover. So that means this. Five days short of 40 years wandering in the wilderness, God brings them to the promised land. Five days short of the 40 years he promised them that they were going to wander in the wilderness, they get to the promised land. He said, Doug, why would that be significant? It's significant because it reminds us that God is a God who loves demonstrating grace to his people. Yes, the judgment was the wandering, but five days short, God's like, listen, I just want you to know I still love you. Yes, there's consequences, but I want to show you grace and I want you to see it, and I want you to experience it. And so what happens is they move from where they camp that night, they move to a place called Gilgal, and Joshua has all these stones picked up, has all these stones taken to Gilgal, which is just outside of Jericho. And you may not know this, but the first big battle of Israel in the promised land was Jericho. Jericho was a city that was probably 40 to 50 feet tall with fortified walls, which means 50, 40 to 50 feet of just concrete kind of walls. There, there's no way you're getting in. And they got put in the Gilgal, and they put these stones there, and they, here they are. They're, <coughs> they've had 40 years wandering, and now there's a new beginning, and these stones are setting there. Now, do you think when God told this nation of Israel, here, listen, you know that place, Jericho, that big fortified city? Uh, here's how we're going to fight them. You ready? Because that belongs to you, by the way. Here's how we're going to do it. Now, everybody lean in. Everybody lean in. Here's what we're going to do. For six days, you're going to march around the city one time. That's it. No spears? Nope. Swords, right? No. Just march. 
And here's what we're going to do on the seventh day, because now the spears are coming in, right? Now we're going to be shooting some arrows. I'm pretty sure that, especially if you've walked uh, the veggie tails, you kind of know how this thing unfolds, right? I mean, so you, 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 know what's, you know what's going to happen, right? So, so we're going to get to use some weapons. No, 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 no. Here's what we're going to do. On the seventh day, you better get your cardio in, because we're going to walk around it seven times. And when we complete the seventh time, here's what we're going to do, right? Shoot the arrows, right? No, 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 no. Throw the spears. No, no, no. We're going to blow a trumpet and let out a shout, and the walls are going to come down. Now, I'm just going to tell you, that's crazy. Is it not crazy? Come on, is that not crazy? I mean, come on, come on. It'd be like me saying, okay, we're going to walk outside of Columbia Elementary, and we're going to march around this place. And we're going to, the seventh time, we're going to, uh, we're going to blow out a trumpet, <coughs> and we're going to let out a shout, and the walls are going to come running down. All you guys would go, this guy's cuckoo, I'm going somewhere else, right? It's absolutely absurd. But listen, think about this. They're in Gilgal. And when they are giving this, this message of what they're going to do in Jericho, do you think they walk by those stones? Do you think they walk by those stones remembering how God had provided for them, how God had protected them, how God had delivered them? Do you think they walk by those stones going, wow, I feel internally this is crazy. This is still a reminder of what God has done. And so I'm going to renew my commitment to him. See, I believe it was those stones in Gilgal before they ever went to Jericho that would have not only kept them focused but would have caused them to renew their commitment to the Lord. See, here's why memorials are important. Hear me on this, church. Memorials are important not only because they cause us to remember, but memorials should also cause us to renew our commitment to the Lord. See, listen to me. When I remember what Christ has done for me, my response should be renewal. See, when we come to the Lord's Supper in a moment, and I remember all that Jesus has done for me and the price that was paid for me, my response should be, Lord, I have failed you. Lord, I have sinned, and I'm renewing my commitment, my passion, and my, my obedience. I'm renewing myself to you, Lord. That's what would have happened here. And so these stones, these memorials led to us to a renewal. And so my question for you is this. Do you have things in your life that is leading you to remember? Do you have things in your life it's leading you not only to remember, but to renew your commitment to the Lord. And then there's one more thing I want you to notice. It's found in the very end here, verse 21. Look at me, verse 21, as we close. <clears throat> it says this, verse 21. Here's what it says. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask your fathers in the times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan in dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan, for until you pass over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for those until they all passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Here's what he says. Listen. The value of memorials is not only do they, 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 they cause us to remember, not only do they lead us to renew. Finally, here's the last thing. They allow us to retell the stories. They allow us to retell the stories. If you notice in verse 6, they said the same thing, right? When your children ask, when your children ask, here's what you should tell them, right? And say, so what, 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 is, what is God telling Joshua? Here's what you should tell them. You should tell them of my greatness. That when people ask about these stones, what you should tell them is my greatness. In fact, I have a memorial of sorts. It's not really a memorial, but it's something that means a lot to me. It's a medallion that I have. Um, my dad passed away six years ago yesterday. And I was thinking about this. 
And on his casket, they have these little magnetic things, and you could order a medallion, and you could put them on the casket. And then I made sure before they closed the casket, I took my medallion with me. It's a medallion that says father and grandfather. And I have it in like a little, little place. I had it on my desk until I got rid of my desk at, at home. And if you were to walk into my house and you were to ask me, Doug, what, what is that all about? Guess what? I would love to tell you about my dad. I would love to tell you about how awesome my dad was. I would love to tell you how my dad coached me in baseball and how my dad pulled for me and cheered for me, how my dad was tough on me, how my dad encouraged me, how when my dad, when I got to ministry, goes, well, you're going to be poor the rest of your life. I would love to tell you about my dad. I would love to tell you about the moment that my dad said yes to Jesus and his life was never the same again. If you ask me about my medallion and this memorial I have of my dad, I would love to tell you about my dad, Jim Osborne. What an incredible man he was. That's what memorials are for, to help us retell the stories, right? And he says here in the passage, we find out what we're supposed to retell. He's like, first of all, I want you to retell them in my faithfulness. I want you to, when you tell your children, when they ask, why is these memorials so important? What are these stones all about? I want you to tell them my faithfulness. I want you to tell them that I'm a God who keeps his word. That I'm a God who told this nation a long time ago, you're no longer slaves, but I'm going to make you a nation, and I made good on my word. I want you to tell your children that I'm a God who said, I have a land for you flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to take you out of slavery, and I'm going to bring you to a place that's going to bless you, and it's going to be your inheritance. And I'm a God who keeps my words. I want you to retell the stories of my faithfulness. I want you to retell the stories to educate your children. Hear me on this, moms and dads. I want you <coughs> to retell the stories to educate your children about who I am. Now listen, our children, if you're a follower of Jesus, our children need to know about how God has provided in our lives. Our children, our nephews, our nieces, our friends' kids, whoever it is, they need to know our, how God has provided for us. They need to know how God has been present with us through the difficult situations of life. They need to know that God is always guiding us and directing us. Listen, does your children know your stories of salvation? I'm just going to ask you, if you're a parent, thank you, Sylvia, if you're a parent, you've got to ask yourself, if I were to ask my kids, do they know how I came to faith in Christ? Do they know how Jesus changed me and what he's done for me, not just in that moment, but the rest of my life? Is that a conversation where my kids are being educated that there's a heavenly father who loves us, who provides for us, who guides us, and who always delivers and is present with us? Do your kids know that? They should. See, memorials give you the chance to retell the stories. See, I know some of you, if you walked into my house, you'd ask me, because you're just that nosy, right? You would ask me, hey, man, I would love telling you about my dad. I love thinking about him. I love talking about him. I love remembering our relationship. But greater than talking about my dad, I love to talk about my Jesus. And I was telling you, Moms and dads, and even if you're not moms and dads, we get a chance. Memorials in our life allow us to retell the story of what God has done. It also allows us to tell the stories so others can recognize his power. Did you pick up on what he said there? He said, when he dried us up and so they could pass over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. He's like, I want you to retell the stories so that people can recognize the miracle work of your heavenly father and be blown away by the power of God. 
Now, I, I saw this in my dad's life. When my dad got, when he really got saved and his life was changed, I mean, he was just incredible. He would read the Bible like four and five hours a day. And I'm like, Dad, you don't have to read it that many hours a day. And he would ask questions. Like, he's like, Doug, I've got some questions. I'm like, okay, Dad, I'll come over. Well, I thought he had like one or two. He had a legal pad of page after page after page after page of questions. I mean, we would like have to have sessions of answering all these questions. And I remember telling my dad, I said, Dad, you don't, you don't have to read four or five hours a day. It's wonderful you want to, but you don't feel like you have to. He's like, son, I'm just making up on lost time. But if you were to talk to my dad, do you think he told his railroad buddies about the decision he made for Jesus? He did. And when I met some of those railroad buddies at my dad's funeral, they would say something like this, maybe a little bit more harshly. But they'd say, you know what? The man he was at the end of his life sure wasn't the Henri Cuss I knew him 25 years ago. You know what they said was? Something's different about him. Something radically changed his life. And it gave me a chance to talk about Jesus to my dad's friends. Listen, retelling the story, not only does it help us kind of, you, know, you know, train our children. Retelling the story not only helps us get to that place where we're reminded of God's faithfulness, but retelling the story helps us tell other people so they can recognize the omnipotent power of our God, that he is all-powerful, all-knowing, and he can do all things. But there's another reason he says, I want you to retell the stories. Look at the very last verse there, verse 24. So that you may fear the Lord, your God, forever. He wants us to retell the stories so we always are in awe of our God. I don't know about you, but when I get to talk about Jesus, when I get to talk about what he's done for me, what he's done to me, what he's done in my life, in my family's life, those I love and care about, when I get to retell the stories, there's a part of me that backs up going, God, you're so good. Like we have a sweet lady here, I hope she doesn't mind me, I won't use her name, but a sweet lady here that just had back surgery. She's been in pain ever since I've known her. And today she said for the first time, she's not in pain anymore. Not in pain. She had back surgery, no more pain anymore. And I'm thinking, you know what? what is beautiful is every time she gets out of a chair, every time she gets up off the bed and there's no pain, and even, even the pain can be a memorial for her going, you know what? My God is good. My God has protected me. My God has guided me. And my God is there with me. Even through the pain, now I have no pain. And it's a reminder of how awesome God really is. We need to find moments in our life so we can retell the story. Well, Doug, I don't have a story to tell. Oh, yes, you do. You've passed from death to life if you're a believer. You've gone from darkness to the light. You've got a story to tell. If you've been rescued from anything in your life, you've got a story to tell. And we need to tell that story, not only for other people, but he says, tell it so you may fear the Lord, in other words, so that you may live a life where you're in awe of him. May we never get over what God has done for us. And I hope you believe that this morning. So today, I just want you to know, here's why memorials are important for us. They help us remember, right? They help us remember. They kind of they lead us to that place of not only remembering, but leading to that place of renewing. And then they lead us to a place where we get to allow to tell, to retell the stories. And so today, we're going to come to the Lord's Supper. And my prayer is we come to the Lord's table is that we would remember, this is a memorial for us today, that we would <coughs> take a moment and remember all that Christ has done for us. You may be here this morning and do not have a personal relationship with Christ. Let me just tell you real quickly, it doesn't matter. Because God loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. He sent his only son to die on a cross for you so that if you put your faith in him, your sins can be forgiven. And when you leave this world, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're going to spend forever with him in heaven. I want us to remember that.
as we take the wafer that represents the body. I want us to remember the body that was beaten and bruised instead of ours. When we take the juice that represents the blood, I want us to think about the blood and remember the blood that was poured out so that you and I might know the forgiveness of sin that Jesus did on our behalf. But not just remember today, church. Listen, let's not just remember. Let this cause us to renew. Let this get to a place where I can because you've done that for me. And I'm going to live for you. Because you've done that for me, I'm going to dedicate my life to you. Because you've done that to me, I'm going to live. And everywhere I go, I'm going to make much of Jesus. And then I want you to do one more thing. I want you to commit after we take the supper today. Would you commit today to retelling your story? Maybe your spouse doesn't know your story. Maybe your best friends don't know your story. Well, Doug, that's a bit awkward. Really? Is it awkward? <laughs> really? Because isn't that the story that moved you from eternity in hell to a place called heaven? And isn't it worth you telling it? I mean, when you, if you have kids in the room, when you had your first kid, because after that I don't know how you did it, but the first kid, were you quick to tell everybody? That's not a rhetorical question. Were you quick to tell everybody? I mean, I couldn't wait to take the Polaroid picture. I, you know, that's back in the day. The Polaroid, I couldn't wait to go tell everybody. But you know what? My sons being born, all three of them, was not the greatest moment in my life. The greatest moment in my life wasn't the day that I said I do. The greatest moment in my life when I was nine years old, and I said, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And we all have a chance to tell that story. So today, would you commit to tell somebody your story? So today, we're going to come to the Lord's Supper. And as we come here in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. The Bible says that as we come to the table, there's two things we need to do. First of all, we need to remember, as we've talked about, but also we need to examine our own heart. Examine where you're at this morning. So right now, I'm just going to ask you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, all across the room, nobody looking around, would you just take a moment? Our deacons are going to come and prepare the elements. And I want you to take just 20 or 30 seconds. Just take some moments and just remember all that God's done for you. Remember not only what he's done, but how that impacts today, your, your current situations. Let what you remember cause you to renew your commitment. Let what you remember, let your renewal lead you to retelling your story. So we're going to just sit there just in a moment of silence. And in just a moment, our men will come and pass out the elements. I'm just going to ask you to hold on to those elements because we're going to take the Lord's Supper together this morning. So as you reflect and remember and examine, our men will go ahead and pass out the elements.